I could see other sales people in the organization. They were like, oh, I've, I've talked to the head of procurement. He says that uh, he liked us. And now we're done. Now we're done. We will <laughs> yes. do this. And then, uh, then you know, it goes one quarter and says, Nothing oh, soon, happens. soon. We, yeah. we, uh, we need to do this first. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then it goes another quarter. Yeah. And by that, you know that, okay, uh, you have failed. You, have, you haven't convinced the real decision makers yet. Hi, and welcome to the Mega Deals podcast, the number one podcast on B2B enterprise deals and mega deals. Presented by Bora, Christopher, and David. This podcast is for those of you who want to grow your knowledge and move from traditional sales to sales orchestration. Once a month, we talk with successful mega dealers, authors, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. So join us on our journey to discover the perfect recipe for the perfect mega deal. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Megadils podcast. Today, Christopher and me, David, have a special guest for you. He's the CEO of a company called HP SolarTech. He's also a mega dealer. Welcome, Kenny Fogel. Thank you very much, David and Christopher. Very nice to be here. It's a true pleasure. So if we just start with a short introduction. Who is Kenny? That's a really good question, David. Who is Kenny? Uh, Kenny is a um, 38-year-old uh, boy, you can say. Father uh, to two children. CEO for a company today called HP Solatech. Uh, and, uh, You're still a talent. <laughs> yeah, they say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm um, based in Uppsala. Um, been there basically all my life. Um, uh, north of Stockholm. North of Stockholm, yeah. Sorry. What else should I tell you? You're an ex-semi-professional hockey goalkeeper. Yeah, that's that's true. I'm a semi-professional hockey goalkeeper. Uh, also active today, but a little bit lower, what do you say, competence. L- less ambitious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, But still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great to have you here. So the interesting thing with Kenny, apart from that he, he recently and his team made a 50 million euro deal, uh, being a relatively small company at that point, what were you, like 10, 12, 15 people, something at that point? Yeah, at that point when we made the deal, we were about 10 people employee, yeah. uh, had yeah. a revenue of about like um, 5 million euro. Yeah, yeah. So you basically ten times did the deal that was ten times your current revenue. Yeah. So w- one of the th- one of the reasons Kenny is here is a good example, not just because we at Magadis focus on sustainability scale ups a lot, but also interesting for many uh, owners and founders of younger companies that might think, "Oh, I can't do a mega deal," but you can. So uh, th- that's one of the main topics of today. But but your journey around Magadis started. And a very interesting point. Can can you tell us about how you? I mean, how it all started, like moving from go doing projects on on roofs with solar panels to actually thinking mega deals. Yeah, of course. Um, I was active as uh, would you say a salesman who was uh, selling uh, yeah rooftop solar. Uh, but after a while, I was just go around and think about how can I scale this. I mean, mm. I can't go on for this forever. Just selling one offs. For mm. the rest of my life, um, small tickets, small tickets, mm. but as well uh, had the company in mind that okay, we need to do something different here uh, if we are going to be able to scale 
the business and not scale the amount of people in the business. So um, I came across uh, a podcast. I was actually on vacation in uh, Mallorca mm. uh, with my family. I actually remember this because this is like uh, a life-changing moment for me. For the non-Europeans, Mallorca is an island outside of Spain. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so I w- walking around there in the sun, very hot. Listen to a podcast with uh, where you were, were the guest actually, Christopher. Oh, cool. I actually don't know which one was it. Do you remember? I don't who, remember who, the who name the of the podcast. Okay. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I will get back to that if yeah, I yeah. Uh, remember the, the name. And you were talking about uh, account-based marketing, mm-hmm. but I also you were about to talk about mega deals. Right. I think you were in the process of releasing the mega deals. Oh, was that book. early? Okay, yeah. cool. And that name, just mega deal, was like, okay, what is this? Mm. This sounds interesting. How you can scale something. And with your competitive sports background, that triggered you. Yeah, exactly. Like and next that was level, next exactly, level. Exactly yeah. what I was searching mm. for. Mm. I was like on a journey to, okay, I need to find something else. Mm. Uh, and then you came across. So, mm. And what happens after that? You listen to the podcast. What did you do then? I started Googling after the book, of mm. course. I mm. uh, started to search for account-based marketing. I started mm-hmm. to read basically as much as I could mm-hmm. uh, who came across. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also went up at your website, Megadils, mm-hmm. and pre-ordered the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got the, the first The cool copy. thing here is that we were not aware. Yeah, exactly. No, this was completely out of our radar. Yeah. So when I got the book, I just started to read it and, and just realized that, okay, this framework is something else. This is not just another like selling book. Mm. Like this mm. is how you sell, blah, blah, blah. Mm. This is more like, okay, something new. And right. it's really hit me. Right. So I... I started to practice some some of the parts immediately, mm-hmm. and then I just started to research other parts in the book right. to understand the parts as much as I could. Yeah. So, so you basically started to apply this even without our knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and you, what were the this, this because just for the listeners, I I don't know this beforehand, so I'm I'm yeah. seriously curious. Like, wh- which chapters, which parts? I don't, you're not supposed to remember the number of the chapters, but which parts of the framework? triggered you initially i mean now we work together like fully yeah. but uh, even without us which chapters did really trigger you and that you could start i would start say using on your on your own and with the team yeah i, I would say the basic uh, it was more like a fundamental thing it was like um, when i was out selling i was a salesman at that time I right. worked as, um, you often end up to start to talk about why why this vendor or right. why this product this is us, this is what we sell. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately, instead right. of like zoom out mm-hmm. and, and try to understand the market, try to understand the customer, what is the different choices the customer has, and mm. yeah, and so on. So, that so was basically the positioning and the messaging. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy and pretty obvious, mm. but sometimes you need to like see it or you need to read it yeah. to really, okay, of course, yeah, this is how it is. Luckily, m- many good things are, once you get it, it's like, yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, the best things are, are, are easy. So, mm. yeah. so at this point, you weren't the CEO of the company, right? No, exactly. So, so this was uh, before I was the CEO uh, for the company. I work as like um, head of, uh, what do you say, uh, more yes. like an account, account, what do you say, account manager? Yeah. 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 Um, so I started to practice this and starting to do my own, what do you say, plan how to to do a, a mega deal. Right. Uh, mm. uh, without, uh, I mean, 
no one at the company know that so I you was didn't doing this. even inform that that no. i'm doing this you, no. you started to do it on your own yeah okay, i just cool. started to do it oh, because wow. i know that if i try to explain this uh, it will fail oh uh, it will fail right and they will not they will not so allow like me show instead of telling exactly Great. so i started to i, I keep up my uh, what do you say original sales mm-hmm. but at the meantime started to work on the plan how on your first mega deal yeah exactly right. Take us through that because this is super interesting. I think you 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 work as a client manager or head of client management. Were, were you head of client management or just just quote quote unquote a salesperson? I, I was just a salesperson. Okay, cool. Can say. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, uh, how do you then go from uh, selling solar panels on rooftops to where you are today? Take us through that journey. Um, the first thing I would say I was. Uh, understanding the market, mm-hmm. how is the market? I mean, uh, not every, not every, what do you say, uh, field or market that you're in, or you can do mega deals in. I mean, there are no. different kind of um, totally. sectors yeah. that you're mm-hmm. able to do mega deals in. Totally. So that was the first step. I need to understand: is it possible to do it mm-hmm. in this sector mm-hmm. that I'm in? Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Okay, energy market. Yep. Yes, of course. Totally applies. You can, you can apply this. <laughs> yes. You you only need to get get up in scale uh, enough mm. to be able to do this. So when I when I realized that, I was uh, thinking about okay, how should I scale this? Mm. How should I do like a large? For me, it was more like I want to do a large deal, which means that I need to find a really large roof mm. or build like a solar park. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started to... Uh, and the really large roofs are very rare. Yeah, they are very, very rare. Yeah. Uh, but it's easier to find like big uh, big landslots instead. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, we, we find multiple landslots. Yeah. So we build like many small solar parks. But uh, that's not maybe... Uh, yeah, you, you're, the, you're the pioneer in clustered solar parks. We'll come back to that. But yeah. in clustered mm-hmm. solar parks, which is really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I started to talk uh, a little bit with with friends, other entrepreneurs, mm. and uh, mm. try to like figure out. Uh, uh, I can't do this on my own. I need some someone to do this with. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I need to find a buyer, mm. <laughs> someone to buy this. Mm. I mean, this idea or this mm. product. Right. So I, I came across to to another guy called uh, uh, Ralph Dalin and uh, Pontus Ringaby, two entrepreneurs who. Actually, they didn't know anything about solar at that time. Mm. So I introduced this opportunity to them. Mm. That, okay, uh, this is the market. It's a huge opportunity. Right. Sweden are, um, we are lacking in this. There's no other player who is doing this. Right. So uh, there's a big opportunity now. So let's let's do this. Uh, and they actually hooked on it. Mm. And we started to uh, work on a, like a business model. Uh, how How we should do this. And we ended up to okay, let's build multiple solar parks, right? The because, clusters, yeah, um, because that would be the maybe fastest way to to build those parks mm-hmm. in terms of applications and, and grid and yeah, yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, also less risky and less risky, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and then we have done that. We we understand that okay, we need further help. We need to find capital, mm-hmm. someone to buy these assets. Yeah. Um, and just a quick comment there. Most, I mean, seriously large mega deals are financed. So for, for anyone listening who think I'm, I'm great at doing large deals, if you haven't understood customer financing or project financing, please study that chapter in our book. 
uh, it's actually really, really crisp and good. Yeah. And that's uh, actually, I think I had a lot of that in mind when I, when we were uh, about the structuring this deal. Mm. I understand that, okay, you need you need like, uh, for you, in your book, for example, I think it was base load capital. You yeah, for example. Yeah, 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 example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we needed someone like that. Mm. Uh, uh, what we did was that we, we, we contacted like a financial advisor mm. who we discussed this with and they actually think this, okay, this is a really cool idea. I think this could work. Mm. Uh, so together with them, we started to work on the concept and uh, approaching uh, a lot of investors, mm. uh, infrastructure investors. And uh, you work with Ernst & Young, right? Yeah, yeah. we worked with Ernst & Young. Mm. Uh, so we started to approaching a lot of uh, infrastructure investors in uh, Europe. Mm. And uh, yeah, and that was a completely and just a different side journey. comment there, infrastructure funds are normally investing big amounts of money with a lower expectancy of return, but also with a low risk. Yeah. So, so typically like real estate, anything infrastructure, roads, yeah, energy, uh, exactly, yeah. and then you have this big infra- money infrastructure with more focus on renewables, maybe. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They have different focus areas. Mm. Mm. So uh, yeah. Well so at what what time at what point did did you actually go to the board or the CEO and and, and the founders? Told them, yeah, yeah told it them was the, uh, when we had approached uh, EY and they had. Uh, oh, uh, that late! Wow. Yeah, and they got oh, back cool. and said that okay, well, we will will help you guys to raise money for this project and uh, sell this. So you basically did it undercover until that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> deep, so deep what did Gustav say? Uh, <laughs> no, he, he did, uh, I think that was a positive to, surprise. I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it was very positive. They yeah. had hard to understand at first. I right. Mean, what is this? Um, yeah. We don't understand the model exactly. But right. I think that was also. Uh, I mean, the more and I worked with it, selling. the more they understand it. And, yeah. and at the beginning, they. I mean, they think that okay, yeah, well, try this, but. Yeah probably you will not succeed right yeah. cool let's come back to that uh, story because we will we will continue that in a while uh, but one of the things one of the things I think is super relevant uh, in our research in your case etc is the positioning and the messaging architecture which is maybe uh, our biggest innovation even though when you understand it you go yeah this is obvious but to your point Kenny there are way too many companies, especially if you sell into ecosystems like you do, or if you sell into matrix organization, you think you can still use the problem solution selling. So you sell a problem and then here's our solution. But yeah. in both the ecosystem cell where you are and the matrix organization cell where you come from, uh, decisions are layered. And, and unless you talk about change drivers, category choices, subcategory choices, sometimes sub-subcategory choices, dimensions, capabilities, functionalities, and then why this vendor? Those are quite a few layers before you come to this is us, this is what we do. Um, that is a that is a big change for most companies. Even some of the most mature companies in the world, it's a big change. But there are two things that megadeals are really good at. One is that they have a very good, you have a sports background, they have a very good sight into what's going to happen like Wayne Gretzky or someone like that they know the the likely next step with the ball or the puck or whatever is going to be this so so some kind of pattern recognition talent and the, the second thing is that they're very good at shifting level in the messaging architecture depending on who you are talking to and the C-suite so the top management and the board and the owners they normally look at 
vision, strategy, mission, uh, what are the key initiatives we have to solve our biggest problems that are hindering us from going from where we are now to where we want to go. And they also look at directional decisions. And directional decisions are very rarely going deeper than we think we should go for this kind of solution, this type of solution, not we're going with this vendor. This is why if you try to reach the top management, you know, okay, if we reach the top management, we have a much higher likelihood of, of making a deal and also a bigger amount, etc. But if you have the common, this is us and this is our product approach, they will push you down to Stefan. Stefan is a character we made up. Stefan is sitting a floor minus five, so under four parking lot floors with oil in his hair. It's very narrow ceiling. You have red lights in the corridor there. It's very far down, and you can hear when people are flushing the toilets. So if you try the problem-solution approach with the top management, they will say, well, this is actually, you should talk to Stefan, and they send you immediately down so you don't get their attention because they're not looking at products or solutions yet. When when the question comes back to them later, a few months later, they want to see, Okay, we've now we've decided we should do something in clustered solar parks in the south of Sweden. But now we just want to know what are the outliers? What are the pros with HP Solartech that others can't cover? What are the negative aspects? And and we want to look at w- w- two or three alternatives. That's what the top management is 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 looking for. So that's why the product pitch or the company pitch is failing at that level. Um before we go into your messaging example, what, because you've also people don't know this, but you've been a head of procurement before, which is quite. Uh, I've been that not head of procurement, but I was a CIO for a, a large company for one year. It was amazing, an amazing learning journey to be a buyer of mega deals, <laughs> even though it was only one year. But you've also been heading up a procurement team. So, so what's your perspective on, on these kind of layered decisions? Before we go into your messaging as an example, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think um, for me it was a really good understanding to know how are the organizations thinking. Uh, mm. I mean, uh, when I works, worked with sales, mm. I have pretty good understanding that, okay, even if I talk to the head of procurement, mm. I know that he is not the only one who takes the decisions. Mm. He maybe have some, I mean, he can take a decision for like, what do you say, 100 to 200,000 Swedish crowns or something. Mm. But if you're going to level up in the, in the deal size, mm. you need to understand, okay, he maybe he's more like a gatekeeper, you can say. Right. Yeah. So you need to convince him, of course, mm. but then you need to get in behind him mm. and 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 talk to like the board and yeah. the management yeah. and yeah, so on. So they are uh, important role, but they are not the only one who, who decides. Right. So that was a big big help for me because I could see I could see other sales people in the organization. They were like, oh, I've, I've talked to the head of procurement. He says that uh, he liked us, and now we're done. Now we're done. We will <laughs> yes. do this, and then, uh, then you, you know, it goes one quarter and says, Nothing "Oh, happens. soon, soon. We, yeah. we, uh, we need to do this first. And yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it goes another quarter, yeah. uh, and yeah. and by that you know that okay, uh, you have failed. You have you haven't you haven't convinced the real decision makers, right? Yeah. And there's also amongst us sales professionals, there's an o- over belief in if I just uh, convince you, Kenny, and you are my champion then you will sell it internally for me. Yeah, mm. exactly. There's another, mis- before moving into your messaging, there's another misconception I frequently see, and I think you agree, David. So even 
semi-senior salespeople and marketeers, they go, oh, we're selling an IT project. David is the CIO. It's his budget. So if he says yes, this will happen. That, that They completely miss two perspectives. First of all, directional decisions are happening one more level up. But also, even though it's David's budget, relatively senior titles in large organizations have very small sign-off levels. So it's, it's quite rare to find someone under the top management with more than $100,000 or 100,000 euros in sign-off level. You typically need to go very high up, even for relatively small amounts. I mean, you did a deal, 50 million euros, but deals that are way smaller than that, you need to sell, you need to still convince sometimes the board even, mm-hmm. because even a CEO of a relatively... I mean, uh, just to a reference that I know, uh, the CEO of a company with a few thousand employees, his sign-off level was 500,000 euros. And there are quite a few initiatives and projects that are way bigger than that. So he needed to present quite a few things to the board. And sometimes the board can sign off. So you need to go to the shareholder meeting. <laughs> I mean, even we, David, have had mm. cases where the board couldn't decide, even though our engagements are unfortunately not on the 50 million euro level, but it's a few hundred thousand per year to work with us. So, mm-hmm. so th- even that level, and th- that is actually strategy Im- Im- implications, is forcing us to sell to shareholder meetings sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- any comment on that, Kenny? I, I can just agree that what you say, because mm-hmm. I think it's really important to, to understand the sign of levels on each and every one, uh, mm. who, and actually understand who is the really, what do you say, who who is taking the real decision here? Yeah, uh, and that that was very important for us when we did this uh, fifty million euro deal. It wasn't actually the I mean, uh, it wasn't uh, not the infrastructure fund mm. uh, who take the real decision. They was just like gathering information to they go to the their man. yeah to go to their investment committee yeah. to get approved. Mm. And the investment committee is probably representatives for the. Pension funds and others yeah. that are putting in the big money. Exactly. Yeah. So you need to understand, like, okay, how are they thinking? <laughs> What's mm-hmm. important for yeah. them? Uh, you can't, I mean, those mm. guys uh, or women, mm. you will never met them. Right. But you, 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 need to, you need to get, I mean, to understand them anyway. Mm. I think... I, w- 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 I would like to shift yeah. gear if that is okay. So I want to go into the messaging. I just, before that, can you talk us through a bit about the ecosystem within solar because this is quite complex cell and uh, you have a lot of different stakeholders to take into consideration i I mean i guess there's um, politicians as well or could be even right so could you just elaborate a bit uh, about the different uh, parties that has to be on board here from landowners all the way up to someone signing the big checks. Absolutely. I mean, it, it starts obviously with with, uh, with the landowners. You need to get a piece of land um, mm. somewhere. Um, where you can build these parks. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Where you can build these parks. Uh, and after that, we start with the, with the like, what do you say, application phase. Mm. Uh, you need to have some certain applications in place. You need to be, uh, I mean, approved to build mm. that place. Uh, but the next st- step is that you need to understand the, what do you say, uh, the grid owners mm. Uh, mm. owning the grid actually you need mm. to talk to them and get the cables approved. yeah the cables mm. you need to connect to them mm. um, 
and there cable are a lot guy. of cable guy. <laughs> yeah, the cable guy. <laughs> and there are a lot of what do you say? Um, uh, uh, traps during the way. Even if you find a piece of land, there's a lot of things to n- need to get in place before mm. you have a project mm. that you can go on mm. with. Mm. Uh, so there and. A lot of agreements that has to be signed on the way. A lot of agreements on the way. Uh, and by that, you also need to understand the market as well, uh, the energy market. How, how, how is the pricing? Mm. Where is the best? Uh, I mean, in Sweden, it's divided into different price zones. Mm. So four. Need, yeah, four. Mm. So you need also as well understand, okay, what price zones mm. are, uh, um, what do you say? Uh, good. Favorable. Yeah. yeah, favorable to be in. Mm. Um, that's maybe not so hard, but you need to understand like it's favorable today, mm-hmm. but how how could it look like in five five ten yeah. years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, a moving target. Yeah, it's a moving target mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, so there's a quite few things you need to understand. Mm. Let's move into HP SolarTech and your current positioning and messaging. I mean, not the full one, but some snippets from it. So. You transformed. Now it was you paved the way for this new direction, and you went from a, a rooftop solar installation company to now be a cluster solar park cluster leader, and aiming for that position in Europe. That's a pretty big leap. But let's go through the the new positioning and messaging. So th- this is the thing. Going back to your comment uh, ten minutes ago about coming in and saying this is us. So to to gain. The, the ear and the wallet from the infrastructure funds, you need to sell uh, here as well in layers. First of all, the the sustainability-oriented infrastructure funds already have wind, hydro, solar, etc. in their portfolios. They might be active in a few countries. So here, in this case, we don't need to sell so much the the problem with the climate. We don't need to sell so much that energy needs to not just go green, but actually double in, in output. Because the, the this pretty knowledgeable buyer, they already know this. So in this specific case, actually different to many, we don't need to sell the problem so hard, but we need to orient them in the categories and the subcategories. So the first win you need to do because now you're you're more than southern sweden but your initial cell uh, and is and was uh, and st- still is your primary cell is okay why even solar for the south of sweden so that's the first battle you need to win because the the the, the infrastructure funds they can put their money in a in a spanish or a german solar park or they can put the money in a in wind in, in in Portugal, or so, so the choice is large. And here, many companies are like, "Yeah, we're the best solar park company," but the infrastructure funds are going, "Yeah, but but I don't, I don't actually don't care about Sweden even." So you're not relevant. So the first we call them title fights. The first title fight you have is to to kind of win or be equally good as Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, and those countries uh, with solar parks in southern Sweden compared to those countries, but also compared to wind projects and other even storage projects, etc. So, so that's kind of your first level. Any any comment on that? Like wh- why would a, an infrastructure fund put money into solar parks in southern Sweden? Yeah, exactly. And that's a really, I mean, that's the first, uh, for me in a way, 
thing to to win mm. versus battle. Otherwise, they don't continue to. Yeah, listen. exactly. Yeah. So, so we need to convince them that I mean, in in Sweden, uh, especially in south of Sweden or or, or in the Nordics, um, south of Nordics, uh, we have pretty good. I mean, solar radiance mm. that's an important one mm. for for solar. Yeah. Uh, we need to show them that okay, we have the same amount of solar radiance as in uh, parts of Germany, Netherlands, Belgium. Mm. So uh, that's equal. Even uh, though the solar angle is weaker, we have the same amount of solar radiance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, we also have a, like a, a climate who is mm. very favorable for mm. for solar. Uh, we also have yeah, the solar panels are performing better when they're cold. They're performing yeah. better when mm. when it's a little bit colder, mm. uh, which will make you a longer lifespan mm. of the park. Mm. So but also higher output, right? In yeah, per yeah, exactly. Per minute, so yeah, 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 exactly. But if you compare, I mean, Sweden with Spain, for example, mm. uh, Spain maybe have uh, they are really, I mean, hot climate, mm. uh, which makes their the life length of the panels are maybe ten years shorter. Oh wow! Uh, compared to I Sweden, didn't know it was that much. No, it's uh, you can say like That's significant twenty five to thirty years in Spain and, and uh, about forty years in Sweden. So um, that will. That, that must hit the uh, internal rate of return yeah. significantly exactly. because the, that's a kind of repetitive capex cost. Exactly, and that makes Sweden as an interesting country to mm. be in. Actually, mm. uh, then you also have I don't know if this is the same category, but you also have the political landscape, mm. uh, which is uh, I mean we have a very stable political yeah, landscape, like in Sweden. Switzerland and a few yeah. other countries. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we're pretty we're pretty similar with, with like Germany, Switzerland, Netherlands, and if you are like an infrastructure who have made uh, a lot of deals in those countries, mm. it would not be so big step for you to go mm. into Sweden. Mm. It will be pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, but I must admit, uh, I uh, b- before I understood your case, I have in podcasts like this ruled out solar for the Nordics. Yeah. Uh, but when you showed me the case, I understood that I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, and also there's another factor because uh, solar and wind are complementary. So solar, it can be sunny, but no wind, or it can be windy, but no sun. They're not following the same pattern. There's one one uh, exception, which happens where I'm from, so the very north of Sweden. When it gets really cold and dark, it's also no wind. <laughs> so, exactly. But but that only happens when it's really cold. Yeah. And that ha- doesn't that doesn't occur in the south of Sweden and unless I mean extremely rare. It's extremely rare to have that situation, right? Yeah. It's extremely rare. Yeah. Um so that I mean uh, I think it's a it's a good portfolio to have both. Mm, I yeah. mean both yeah. wind and solar. Yeah, uh, both for the investors but also for the for, for the whole energy yeah. system because exactly. they're complementary. So it reduces the need for Huge amounts. Of st- you still need storage, but it, it is reducing the storage need. Yeah, exactly. And and also, I mean, uh, it's good for for the grid as mm. well. You, yeah. you don't. Uh, what do you say? The, the balancing of the grid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's much easier. Yeah. Uh, Both frequency balancing and yeah. actual storage. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so let's say I'm mm-hmm. a potential investor, and and then I look at your case of, for example, Sweden, southern part of Sweden, compared with Germany. I understand that the amount of so- solar hours are pretty much the same for sun hours. Um, I also look into the climate, the political climate, and I see it's 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 easy to do business um, and build this kind of platform, etc., in, in Sweden as equal, or maybe even uh, easier. But that's, that's kind of your job to do that. Um, so what else do I look into? Uh, probably... 
how much how much land is it because if you have if if you can cut costs if it's easier for you to to gather land uh, and it's for example in germany there's there's a lot of solar uh, panels and there's a lot of competitors fighting over the same piece of land um that must be in your favor right yeah of course uh, and also how you uh, structure the parks i mean how how big land are you searching for mm. uh, i mean we this is taking us into the subcategory so yeah. now you've convinced them that southern sweden is def- should definitely be and solar should definitely be part of this infrastructure funds portfolio the next battle is why clustered solar parks so many small in a cluster compared to very few huge ones mm. yeah. connected to, to David's question. Exactly. So let, let's talk about the subcategory, as David pointed out. And when you when you look at, uh, if you, you compare like a smaller park to uh, one lodge, if you build mm. many small uh, mm. compared to one lodge, uh, you can say speed is uh, a key factor here. Mm. Uh, it goes much faster with the, all the application phases and, and, and the grid and everything is much, much easier mm. uh, compared to build a large park. I right. Mean, a large park you maybe have like uh, two to three year of development time uh, mm. we have a development time for around uh, 12 months so we basically can offer you uh, uh, your the money you invest in this project mm. start working much earlier and faster mm. yeah uh, and we will get you the same uh, level of uh, capacity in the so, end. so the bank or the equity f- f- fund will we start to see okay we deploy a first small we start to see revenue fast yeah not only do we see money fast, we also can s- s- be sure that, okay, we've done now the first five units of a total of 40. What are the metrics? And then yeah. they can go, now we have a lower risk deploying the remaining 35. Yeah. So you can, I guess, structure your contracts differently. You can reduce the overall risk for the exactly. investor. Exactly. So and that's and, and re- so connected to to our, our, our research, we, and this is kind of obvious if you're, Compare it with a house loan. It's easy to lend. It's easy to borrow borrow big amounts of money as long as you can assure the bank that you can pay it back. Yeah. Then funding is not a problem, and it's the same here. So if we can give them a lower total risk, and also that they can monitor the the, the progress, you can get lower uh, interest rates. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's also easier to find land mm. uh, because you don't need that uh, big big piece of land. Mm which makes it much, much easier. And the, and the market to find land is, comp- uh, I mean, it's much bigger right. all of a sudden. Because you, I mean, now we're chasing like land for three to 10 hectares mm. uh, instead of like 50 to 100. Mm. Yeah. And it must be also more favorable in terms of national security because the risk of terrorism and stuff is, is significant. I mean, most countries are looking at the energy system with a military lens. And when you have many small parks in one cluster, yeah, you can you can bomb them, but it's very hard to to bomb 40, 40 spread out small ones. Yeah, exactly. To to destroy one big is easy. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So uh, that's also for like risk mitigation. As yeah, well. exactly. Mm. And also from a kind of national security perspective. So so um, you also mentioned something else which is favorable in terms of cluster versus one big, which is that. I didn't think of it. It's obvious when you think about it. So it's if you spread it spread out over a larger area, these small ones, it might be sunny 
on one small piece and it's cloudy on another. So mm-hmm. overall you get a hedging advantage. So even though, so the total effect is more even yeah. compared to one large, where if it's cloudy there, it's completely, I mean, the solar radiance goes down to very low levels. Exactly. And that's creating a very big imbalance in the, in the net, in the grid. Exactly. I mean, uh, and uh, you don't have like cloudy in there. Uh, for 40 parks at the same time. No, you don't. It's very unusual anyway. Yeah. And there's also the, which is, I, I like the analogy of, of a car park. If you deploy a car park of 10,000 cars in no man's land connected to small, small village road, that village road will be destroyed and crowded. Uh, and it's the same in the electricity world. So if you connect one large solar park to the electric grid and it's not dimensioned for that kind of effect, then you have to invest significantly into that quote-unquote road. And here's the same. So when you deploy many small, it's it's a smaller uh, impact on the grid because you spread them out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, what you do is basically you contribute more f- to the local mm. society yeah. uh, where you build this. And without impacting the infrastructures. Exactly. Yeah. So you can still have like the, uh, the national grid or what do you say, mm. the transportation mm. grid mm. Uh, open. Yeah. We, we don't... We don't send out any energy on that one. Right, right. Yeah, that's very cool. And then you come closer to the consumption. Yeah, exactly. So the so consumption so is eating eaten up uh, at the local. Yeah, yeah. Local part. Yeah, and a lot of countries, including so Sweden is very modern here, but including Sweden, the the grid is a big issue. Not just energy production and storage and balancing, but the grid. So the transportation of the electricity. So in, for example, the U.S., you even have disconnected grid operators they're not connected to each other so they <laughs> they have huge is- issues in their individual n- grids um or, but there must be some advantage of building one large what could that be yeah and this is also a good example how you develop a messaging because you if you're just 100% positive about what you represent is not credible so and here here i guess there are some advantages with a large compared to one many small as well yeah, of course, there's a, a, a few advantages, of course, with, with, with one large. Uh, there are some maybe OPEX advantage could mm. be, uh, because you only have one site to... Mm. Uh, so the ongoing costs can be lower? Yeah, it could be lower. But Easier to serve one big than many small? Exactly. Mm. Uh, that could be the case. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, I'm, um, I'm not sure what the... But, but when, when you gather the, <coughs> the contracts... It, it, you don't need 100 cluster contracts no. um, if you build a huge one. So, I mean, that that must also be a positive thing if you're building a big one. Or? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, one positive thing is that when, when we create this kind of deal, we, we, we pack every, I mean, we do a portfolio of multiple parks. Mm. Uh, and though those portfolios are packed into special like uh, SPVs. It's uh, like a subsidiary, yeah, special exactly. company, exactly. special purpose vehicle. Yeah. yeah. So if you build like one large park, mm. you only do need to do one mm. SPV. Mm. So less do, admin. Yeah. So mm. a little bit less admin, I would mm. say. Mm. Uh, but um, in the future, you can you know, just put everything in the same company. Yeah, yeah, as well. So, but I think I think there are many things pointing at uh, again on the subcategory level, pointing at that you are on the right path. Like, if you look at the IT industry mm. in the early days, you build 
huge servers. Mm-hmm. So one server that serves an application. And now it's now no one is questioning that Amazon and, and those are at Microsoft Azure are running on clusters of many small servers. Yeah. I mean, it's redundancy and, and yeah. it, that's the way to do it. It becomes more industrialized. You can kind of easy deploy things faster. Okay. You also are more redundant to failures. It's mm-hmm. not one big failure, it's many small. So it's it's easier to shift servers and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more easy, it's, it's easier to in an industrial way produce many small units compared to one customized large. Yeah. So now we've gone through some snippets of your messaging, looked at the different stakeholders in this huge ecosystem. This is the messaging that we are building towards, and I say we because we we work together on this, uh, that we are building towards the investors. Um, But then you also have another messaging towards the one who have the land, the landowners. So, you know, convince or um, sell that it's good for them to hand over uh, land or lease land to you since they can't use it for for anything else. Like they can't plant any trees or they can't harvest uh, that land, etc., so that that's perhaps a much easier messaging, but that's I just want to make that distinction that in, in in a big complex deal like this, you have different messaging for dif- different stakeholders. I mean, n- not to go too deep into that, but we're also working now. We've we've done the strategy and design phase together uh, and kind of strengthened the new focus, which is on the clustered solar parks and the big projects versus the rooftop. Uh, we're now together also working on, like David said, we were close to finalizing the messaging for the infrastructure funds, but also for the landowners. So that two different messaging architectures. And we're now going into the phase where we start to execute and build videos that are following how the decisions decisions are made um, in, in this in this landscape. Uh, and we're overlaying it with the right market and media mix. So we're now moving into the execution phase, which is the fun part. Mm. Um, any comment on on where we are, your experience so far, etc.? I would say I'm, I'm really happy with, with the cooperation that we have. I mean, for me, when I take over as the CEO for the company, uh, one of the biggest challenges or one of the biggest goals in a way was to position our brand mm. uh, in the right, what do you say, context. Mm. And I was pretty sure that, okay, if I'm going out to try to hire an own marketing, mm. uh, what do you say, Agency. department. Right. Uh, ah, it will take, I mean, that yeah. will take like a year mm. for me to find everyone yeah, that I need to get, to get on board. People, yeah. mm. uh, and I also need to, I mean, they need to understand our business and mm. so mm. on. Uh, but you guys, you, I mean, you have your brilliant framework work mm. that you work with mm. uh, which i also support to 100% and and you have all the resources that needed so mm. i mean you can start it like from day 1 hit the ground running yeah exactly hit yeah. the ground running and that's yeah. basically what it's all about you need yeah. to start hit the ground running and start work right uh, and that was so i mean we we get much much faster to to some results here right 
I think there's one thing we often see. So a, a company might have a relatively okay marketing staffing, but the, there are kind of two domains where they normally struggle. The number one is that there's it's very unusual to have a deep understanding on how ecosystems or matrix organizations are making decisions, which is actually putting the marketing team in a in a weak spot. They they don't know how to if you don't understand that, you also struggle to know how to create the positioning and messaging into that. And you also struggle to then take the messaging and positioning into content and, and marketing vehicles. Because if you lack the understanding of ecosystem and matrices, that's a tricky, tricky piece. Um, yeah, so that's something, even with a, a team, you, you didn't have one, but even with a team where they do have people, that's typically something we need to help out with. Yeah, exactly. But you also need to have, if you do a messaging. Mm. You need to make sure that the, the, the sales department mm. and the marketing department mm. uh, are aligned. Yeah, yeah, totally. So they, so we, I mean, so they talk the same. When, when we talk yeah. to a customer, mm. uh, we want to talk about the same things mm. that we uh, use in the market marketing yeah. as well. So uh, otherwise, it's very easy to be uh, different. I mean, the mar- marketing uh, department had one idea. Yeah. And the sales yeah. has another idea, right? So, I think I think one of the, the land and expand meetings and yeah. training round sessions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot of CMOs struggling in frustration, like because they might understand many of the things we talk about and do, but they don't get the buying from the someone like you, the CEO or the head of sales or the sales team. And I think it's because they lack the deep understanding of the sales side. And they lack the deep understanding of how matrices and ecosystems are working. So they don't win the mind and the heart of the top performance on the sales side. And then you you keep having a divide. And also to David's point, you need to have the land expand meetings. You need to have the training ground. And they need to be coordinated between marketing and sales. Anyway, we don't have time to go deep into that uh, in, this, in this podcast. No. Well, I mean, one, one part is to scale Kenny. Mm. And the, the mega dealers, mm. and then also up and reskill, reskill and upskill the um, the majority in the company. Yeah, the, yeah, totally. The salespeople. So, David, you're amazing at wrapping things up. How do we wrap it up? I don't know. I think it was a really good session where we talked about you initially. We we got. Uh, I didn't know the full story, so that was really really interesting to, because w- w- when we started to work together you actually responded to an email where we sent out the uh, factory explainer, just the the video that replaces a first meeting pretty much about the factory product. And you, you pretty much said, I want this. Uh, and we thought like, oh, this email thing works. But then we, when we started to, you know, uh, dig in a bit deeper, you had been following us from day one or even before uh, the book was launched and you attended um, everything from webinars to listen to podcasts etc uh, that I know but I didn't know the full the full detail so that was really interesting uh, we talked a bit about the um, mapping of the different stakeholders we also spent some time with the messaging architecture especially on the subcategory and sub subcategory and I don't think we have to go into why this vendor that much because I don't think you have that many competitors. We actually didn't cover the why branded 
Wide branded portfolio, not brand. I mean, no, we, we take don't that have in to, the yeah. next episode. Yeah, exactly. We, and, and Anyone interested can ping us, and we can give. Yeah, you I mean, it, wide is when we, we didn't even go there um, because I think if you win on a subcategory level, maybe sometimes on a sub subcategory level, then then you're done. I mean, you don't have any competitors in that space. So um, I think we wrap this up by asking Kenny if you want to add anything that we missed to ask. I don't think so. I think you have covered uh, a lot. I mean, we can sit here and talk for <laughs> days. <pretty> long, <laughs> uh, long time. But uh, I think it's, uh, it was really fun to, to join this podcast and, and talk Thank a little you. bit about uh, likewise. Your, yeah, likewise, your, your uh, factory and uh, the brilliant work you are doing, guys. And please follow Thank follow you. Kenny Fogel on on LinkedIn yeah. and also HP Solatech. Uh, you'll see more of them for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, they're here to stay to conquer the world. Yeah. Mr. Mega Dealer of Sunshine, as I call you, Kenny Fogel. Thank you for coming to the Megadis podcast, and uh, please make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on LinkedIn, and in all other social channels. And until next time, stay safe, my friends. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Mega Deals podcast. Tune in again next month. And don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode.